If you watched the groundbreaking Jamie Oliver series 15 where disadvantaged kids were taken into the restaurant and taught to be professionals, given a new chance at life, then you'd be very familiar with Toby Puttock, who was Oliver's head chef in the program and the director still of the Australian counterpart 15 Melbourne. And Toby's new book, Cook Like an Italian, is out now and he joins us on Afternoons. Hello. Hello, how are you? I am very well. I love the phrase in the opening of this book. I'm a huge Italian food fan, I have to tell you. It, uh, where you say, even though I wasn't born in Italy, the cuisine is in me. I don't just cook Italian food. I feel it and I just know exactly what you mean. Where, do, where does that come from for you? It's, it's a very deep statement, it isn't is it? A, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, where does that come from for me? Yeah. Uh, for the, the love for Italian food, are we talking here? Yeah. Yeah, I guess um, it came for me by accident in the beginning um, as a job where I, I, I got a job working in Melbourne at Cafe Cucina, which is an Italian restaurant. But uh, that was because they would give me a job and it could have easily been a French or, or Japanese restaurant. You were lucky it was but, Italian. Oh, I was lucky it was Italian. But I think I was looking for something at that stage of my life and it wasn't university um, and it was something and, and it turned out to be a kitchen. Uh, and after a few years, I sort of thought, well, actually, quite often for the first few years, I thought I would quit cooking and it would be something I would do until I knew what I wanted to do. And before I knew it, um, it, I, it was what I wanted to do. And uh, it had very much become my whole life. I was traveling quite a bit and cooking and living in some pretty great places. And uh, so, so in answer to your question, it just it, it, it was something that started as a job and... and um, infected me so to speak over the evolved. years in a, evolved into me and sort of became me really uh and and it wasn't until i was probably about 24 that i suddenly realized um i i was living in in italy at the time and just realized you know i was living a really great life and why would i ever want to do anything else than that i was so happy and still am with the job so i think i'm very lucky to be able to say that no, it's just so it's a good thing. It is brilliant, and you said, as yeah. you say, you spent a lot of time in Italy. This this book is sort of the culmination of a six week food trip. Yep. How did that go? That came about uh, when I kind of well, I was working for Mr. Oliver in London, then I came and opened Fifteen in Melbourne, which I'm part owner. Of with with another guy in Melbourne as well, um, and 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 I, I guess I spent the first couple of years back in Australia, just working a lot, and there was a lot of business involved in there, and a lot of cooking as well, and I kind of uh, started to get away from where I was for the first, I guess, thirteen years of my cooking, which was working in Italy or in kitchens under head chefs, uh, who were always Italian. I've only been cooking Italian food um, my whole career in kitchens, so I just kind of uh, started missing that and I felt like I was doing lots of things that were around Italian cooking and, and cooking itself but not in it and so I really wanted to get back to simplicity which to me was getting back to Italy for as long as I possibly could and away from the hustle and bustle of Melbourne and just getting out there and working in little kitchens again for free just to learn again and eating lots of good food and getting really inspired by the culture which got me so passionate about what I do these days and so my it was Georgia my wife actually was really pushing me into going away I think she wanted to get rid of me for a couple of weeks but uh, <laughs> she, she she saw that I needed to do this and of course I spoke to the lovely people at Penguin and they they um, we, we spoke about suddenly turning this trip into a travel log which uh, then turned into the book we're looking at now 
um, cook like an Italian. And you visit so all sorts of fantastic places through there. And what, what did you find the, the secret of the, the best food there was? For me, uh, the best food is always seems to be in dodgy looking places. Um, yeah. which, which aren't necessarily, you know, multi-million dollar fit outs with a name chef. It's in, it's in little restaurants that might be down laneways or in tiny, uh, little villages, which you've hardly heard of before. And they don't have fancy retail glasses or anything, but the secret to the best food is always experience and a lot of, um, passion and love that have gone into those dishes and they don't necessarily involve foams and stacks but just really good tasting food using t- top quality ingredients. How did you find the big places like uh, Rome and Florence? I just found I ate an enormous amount of very bad pizza. Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? And we, we had a couple of those experiences in Rome where we were doing a lot of walking as you do in those big cities and you'd say, oh God, just let me pull up a chair and <laughs> sit down for a minute. And before you know it, you are eating bad pizza. And those pizzas are, are normally not eaten by the locals. They're made for um, the tourists, really, which is a bit of a shame. Do you know, in fact, when I, I used to work in a place called uh, uh, Bellagio, which is in Lake Como, about 40 minutes out of Milan. And um, it's very sad. When I worked there more than 10 years ago now, we used to do quite traditional food that they gave a little bit of an edge uh, to make so they could basically charge more and make it more presentable for restaurant consumption and customers and so on. And in the past years, I visited there and they've actually totally changed the mentality, philosophy, menu of the restaurant to cater for tourists because they weren't busy enough. And so they've stopped doing this amazing uh, traditional and, and typical dishes of the area and they've started doing the thick pizzas and that kind of stuff and now they're really busy and it's the Germans, the Americans, the Australians that are fueling that kind of stuff over there which is a, a bit of a shame but I didn't go over there to look at that. I went over there to look at the really traditional and simple dishes. Now can I ask you um, I just uh, just as a bit of a rapid fire question. Go on. Risotto, baked risotto, yes or no? Baked risotto? Are you mm. talking about um, – what do you mean baked risotto? You know where you don't um, – uh, and this is a constant bugbear because I'm a bit of a risotto Nazi, I have to say, so I'll only stand over the stove stirring it for oh, hours. Where you, you know, pour it all in the pot. And... Yeah, and stick it in the oven. Yeah, you know, I've worked with uh, a lot of Italian chefs who do it that way. It's actually um, a little bit Frenchy, actually, the method of cooking it, but a lot of – Italian chefs make their risotto bases like that and they'll cook that halfway. I guess the good thing about that is it takes the science out of it a little, uh, sorry, the touchy-feely out of it a little bit and turns it more into a science because you know X amount of liquid's going to cook X amount of rice perfectly. One thing you don't get from doing that is the creaminess from the risotto because you're not stirring the risotto while it's cooking. By stirring the risotto, I always like to go the anti-clockwise direction continuously. You're actually breaking the outer rice grains, which releases a nice amount of starch which gives you that creaminess if you don't do that you end up with a rice that's a little more of a fried rice consistency if that makes sense so i'll take that as a no no bait no No. to bait risotto no (laughs) i've got a listener question is that okay oh i'm i'm willing and able yeah it's uh it's from nikki and she wants to know about making old-fashioned marshmallow any idea 
No, I've got no idea. If you're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> I can tell you all about pastas or spaghettis or risotto, whatever you want to know. But um, we need to have Chad, the American chef, in here to talk about uh, marshmallow. I don't actually know who Chad is, but maybe he's out there. We'll follow that up for you, for you, uh, Nikki, when we when we track down Chad. So, how's fifteen in Melbourne going? That was such a great project, and we followed it here first of all when you were working with Jamie Oliver in London, and it was, and uh, and then again when when you, you did the the local series. In, in Melbourne and it was just uh, some of those kids were so frustrating but it was just such a joy to see them come out the other end or most of them well, You'd be very happy to know they're still frustrating in my life and we do that every single year um, but I wouldn't change it for the world so I think a lot of people think 15 was something we did for the television and so on and so forth but it's actually quite the opposite 15 was always going to happen without TV and um, I, I decided to do the television show in the end because it's great advertising for the charitable side of 15, which uh, of course needs to raise funds every single year to put the the young people through the program. Uh, so each each young person costs the business or, or the charity, I should say, about about um, fifty to sixty thousand a year, and that covers their wages. But it also covers the support networks they need to take the drama out of their lives to allow them to to cook. Uh, the kids we we get in the program. Um, come from all sorts of walks of life and uh, all sorts of problems that that normal people don't like to think about. But with the tools they learn through cooking, things like discipline, timekeeping, manners, concentration, um, personal hygiene, all these things they learn as a result of the job change their lives in more ways than just learning to cook. Um, So what we find is a lot of people uh, who come onto the program don't continue to cook. In fact, in the Australia-wide as a whole, there's a three and four dropout rate in the first year anyway of chefs. Um, so we actually beat that, which is great. But we do get about a 95% hit rate of people actually going on to work, which is more what I'm interested in. So if I get somebody who comes in through my doors, they might turn around to me after three months and say, you know what, I've given this a go. It's not for me. I don't like working nights. That's that person's choice and that's absolutely fine. But we often find out that they've gained confidence and motivation and all sorts of things like that through the program and they often go on to work in other areas and stick with that, which is what I'm interested in. So, Do you get really attached to people that go through that? You must sort of have to be so emotionally involved as well. Are you still very hands-on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I've just come from there right now, actually. I'm... I'm um, I try and do at least kind of five shifts a week there. So normally like last week I did probably and the week before closer to seven or eight. Uh, so I, I am very hands-on because I find I've been doing it for a long for eight years now between working for Jamie in London and, and now my one in Melbourne. But I I do get attached to them and a lot of the, the kids – are really, really, really good people, but they've had a really rough start in life. And once you can sort of um, show them that you respect them as a person and you're not judging them from the mistakes they made or, or their parents may have made before that have affected them, um, you, you often work out that you've got a clean slate to work with. And once you get those people's trust, you can do amazing things or they can do amazing things, I should say. And, uh, and it's very rewarding to be a part of that. Um, for me, all I like is just to know that they've they've made a change in their own lives through the program that we supply. So it's it's just a really great thing. And so I mean, some of the biggest success stories for me, I've got kids working, um, you know, have been working for Shannon Bennett or Neil Perry, and that's all very well. But the biggest success success stories for me are the ones who years down the track uh, are actually 
maybe they were homeless when they came to us and if years down the track they're saving money for a deposit for a flat or something like that i mean they're staying to get their lives together and that's a fantastic thing and um we 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 can never get sort of we never lose track of these young people who come through the program as well it turns out to be a bit of a family environment and they often you know come in all the time say hello or have coffee or bring their kids in if they have them and and they always like to tell us what's going on and we always like to hear about it too no it's brilliant it's a brilliant project does jamie ever pop over Mm. or the four kids keeping him a bit busy now Yeah, the four ragamuffins are keeping him a bit busy, but um, we, you know, he's always interested and always likes to be updated with what's going on. I think it was Jamie's big dream, like he had the idea and it was such an amazing idea to do that, but Jamie doesn't work in the restaurants anymore. Um, any of them and uh, it was always his dream to make it happen not necessarily to get behind the stove but it was always his dream to use cooking as a tool to help these young people Um, and it works and we've seen it work now in Cornwall and Amsterdam and Melbourne Um, but, but he's hugely passionate about the kids progression and everything as well. It's a wonderful project. And look, it's a great book. I, and I have to uh, alert the listeners to page 162, which has the rolled pork neck with uh, fig, potassio and herbs in it, which looks incredibly yummy. Thank you very much for talking to us, Toby. Thank you for having me.